0: Hello and welcome back to Old Sport Podcast. It's hard to believe, but we are already into episode 18 of the main cast, and it's a rare Thursday night edition this week. It gives us a fantastic opportunity to provide some mega previews of a huge weekend in Sport Ahead. We've got AFL, cricket, NBA, soccer all here for you today, as well as an entertaining hit or miss section and some special moments of the week. I'm Hamish Stewart, and joining me as always to devour this buffet of sporting content is Hugo Carson and Ben Rosen. Ben, your Saints are off to uh, Queensland this week. Are you going to head up to Kazali Stadium for your home game against the Power?
1: Yeah, look, I'm not, but not through lack of effort. <laughs> I, um, I I saw that we were playing a home game. I had a quick glance at it earlier in the week. I'm like, oh, you ripper. Got a few mates that have just come back from from holidays that are Saints fans. I'm like, here we go. We'll tee up a nice <laughs> group to to go watch the game. So I... Um, <laughs> Organize a group chat, send something in like, hey, boys, it'd be great to, to get to the game as a big group. I'll grab the tickets. And they'll just <laughs> be back, like, oh, all right, sounds good. You get the tickets. How are we getting to Cairns? <laughs> so, only St. Kilda now play home games in Cairns, which is, I must say, as a, a big fan, bring in the Cairns, the Cairns Saints. Would be the Can saints as yeah.
0: we know, North Queensland teams have historically done very, very well. Yeah, it's, the a, code, it's so. a boom market there, <laughs>
1: it's
0: great news. Bring back the fury, um, we'll get right behind <laughs> that. Um, all right, that's enough silliness. Hugo, do you want to talk us through briefly what happened last week in around the
2: sporting world? Yeah, so we'll start with the AFL, um, and St. Kilda defeated GWS pretty comfortably in the end, though it looked like a close game the, the last quarter, but pretty comfortably over the line Adelaide predictably to some of us defeated the Western Bulldogs put Adelaide defeated West Coast again on the board for 2022 Fremantle defeated Carlton at home Geelong defeated North Melbourne Brisbane defeated Gold Coast in the Q clash they now have a dominant record in that Melbourne defeated Richmond on Anzac Day Eve I guess Sydney defeated Hawthorne On Anzac Day and then in the big clash in front of 85,000 people, Collingwood defeated Essendon. Meanwhile, in the Formula One, Max Verstappen won the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix after Charles Leclerc took a bold risk with a few laps to go, crashing and falling from third to sixth. Perez finished second, making it a Red Bull 1-2, and Lando Norris completed the podium, finishing third which caps off an amazing McLaren turnaround from the first few races. Sadly, Daniel Ricciardo couldn't convert a very impressive qualifying practice sessions into a result instead crashing with Carlos Sainz in the first lap and completely disrupting his race and forcing Sainz to retire. Ben, what about the world of the NBA?
1: Yeah, coming to the pointy end of the NBA season here, we're well and truly into the first round of the playoffs. We've already had a few results. So the Celtics actually swept the Nets in a pretty crazy series. Yeah. Um a lot of a lot of big headlines to come from that one. The Heat got up over the the Hawks pretty comfortably 4-1. Bucks took care of the Bulls 4-1, and the 76ers currently lead the Raptors 3-2, but they have lost two games on the trot since Joel Embiid told Drake that he better come and watch the sweep. So, we'll see how that <laughs> we'll see how that ages, but it's looking a bit bit iffy and if, if I was docking the seventy sixes, I might be starting to get nervous over in the west the Suns lead the Pelicans 3-2 Mavericks lead the Jazz 3-2 as well the Warriors just beat the Nuggets today 4-1 to advance and the Grizzlies lead the Timberwolves 3-2 so still plenty to pay for as that heats on up what have we got in the world of soccer and rugby Hamish
0: well if you're a soccer fan this is the time of the year that you you're wait for. This is the Christmas festive period. Um, all the competitions are coming to an end. I think we've got 36 days or something until the end of this season with still three, three major competitions to run, at least if you're a follower of the, the English system. Um, but the big results, so this speak, were in the Champions League. Manchester City beat Real Madrid 4-3 in an absolute epic in the Champions League semi-final at home. And Liverpool overcame Villarreal this morning 2-0 at home as well, which sets up some really entertaining second legs. Um, Villarreal, not out of it completely, despite that two-goal difference. And it's just going to be an amazing match. Madrid versus City at the uh, Santiago Bernabeu next week as well. Um, As the European leagues all wrap up, it's really only England and Italy that have title races alive and I think the Italian race is probably the most interesting with AC Milan now two points above Inter Milan into shock uh, suffered a shock loss this weekend which is throwing the race kind of on its head close to the home in the A-League the Victorian teams continue to dominate they still remain the top three and they're a bit of a breakaway as well and in the NRL the Panthers remain the only unbeaten team but the storm absolutely smashed the Warriors this week it was only 16-10 at half time the final score, 70 to 10. So talk about an absolute <laughs> demolition dob in the second half. 10 unanswered tries, which is not something you see usually in professional rugby league. So uh, up the storm, as they say in this part of the world. All right, we'll move on to, you know, our first main story of the week. Um, we've got a fair bit to cover in this one. Ben, do you want to lead us into it?
1: Yeah, and it couldn't be anything other than the IFL because the season really is starting to, to get a bit of teeth to it. A um, lot, lot to talk about, really, but the biggest one for me, I reckon, at least one I'm very excited about, is the potential Dusty return. He's returned back to training this week. Hugo, what are they saying? What are the whispers coming out of Punt Road that, that you're getting with him yeah, on the ground?
2: <laughs> they're saying he's, he's red hot, ready to go. There's some calls for him to come in against West Coast this week, but oh, um, no. they seem to be Yeah, it seems a bit rushed, and also, I mean, against um, West Coast, I'm not sure you need to take that risk.
0: He didn't fly over, so he's not playing.
2: Okay, there we go. Um,
1: Nah, I don't know. I I I reckon getting back sooner rather than later. He's not the sort of player you work through the VFL like it's dusty. Ah,
2: sure, I I get that, but like coming coming in with they're playing Collingwood. That's a huge game Saturday afternoon. Um, so yeah, he'll be he'll be back and. I don't think he won't touch it much, but he'll he'll kick three goals, and I mean he he will touch it, a lot. But you know, Dusty be, will be Dusty.
1: It would be hilarious if you worked him back through the VFL on some poor bumpkin <laughs> on, on a Sunday morning, who's probably how many fendoffs off. can you get? Yeah, strolls into the centre circle and looks next to D Martin. Like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? All right. There's a little bit more to work through. Big news coming out. I believe it was this morning that Erin Phillips has announced that she's going to go and play for Port Adelaide, the clubs that she uh, followed growing up. So that is big news for the the new Port Adelaide AFLW club and for Erin. So look forward to that as the, the season kicks off later this year. Um, I've also got on the run sheet rut contest issue. I wish I could introduce it with a bit more, um, more <laughs> but I don't know what that's a reference to. So I might let you take that one home.
0: I believe what Hugo is referring to here, uh, <laughs> is the fact that we've seen several PCL injuries in the last week yeah. with, um, basically knee on knee contact in center bounces, uh, which seems to be the the major issue. We've got guys here weighing 115, 120 kilos, running straight at each other, jumping up. And although they try to avoid contact, um, like especially below the hips, it's going to happen, you know, and these knee-on-knee, these yeah. bone-on-bone things are, are cause some really significant injuries. So the main ones we saw were Sean Darcy uh, on Mark Pidene, which um, obviously is a huge loss for for Carlton this week with probably a lack of depth in the ruck department since Levi um flew north. And then also... Uh, Brody Grundy, not Heath Grundy, Brody Grundy, who was um <laughs> hurt by Draper late in the last quarter after having a really good last quarter for Collingwood. Turns out he was actually in a lot of pain and he tried to cover it up the following day. They asked him, he was asking, he's on the couch on Fox, and they were like, How's the knee, mate? And he's like, Oh, good, all good. And they they said to him, We've seen Mark Pidinay go down with a PCL. Is that something you're worried about? He's like, No, no, I'm fine. Next day, scans. He's out for probably three months as wow. well. So I guess the issue yeah. is, should we change how we go about the centre bounce to avoid the knee-on-knee contact? Happening?
2: How would you do that?
1: And that yeah, is where so... we turn to
2: Hugo. <laughs> yeah, the debate today, they actually had um, Max gone on on SEN today to talk about like the technique of ruck contests and things like that. So yeah, what he said was, You try and avoid the knee-on-knee contact, but him as a Ruckman, if he loses a few contests and then decides, no, I really need to go in hard for this one, he's just going to run straight at the opposition, put his body into them, like, you know, go for the ball, not just take them out, but he's going to want to do that. And that only happens where you get a run-up and line up at each other at the centre bounce. A way you get rid of that is remove the centre line and also ball the ball up, like throw the ball up, not bounce it. Yeah. So it just becomes a normal ruck contest in the middle. I understand that that's not the traditional image that we have after goals or the start, you know, the grand final, you have the two big ruckmen running at each other, but um, I'm not sure if I agree with it, but as well, but there's um, definitely some issues there, especially, I mean, the Darcy one was a lot worse, I think, than the, the Collingwood one, the Grundy one, basically the, Darcy, one, if you watch the footage, he takes his eyes off the ball and just runs straight at pit net, which is what um, uh, Max Gorn was referring to. yeah And then Gorn thought that the Grundy one was a bit more of a freak accident, like it wasn't as much of a, you know, Ruckman lining each other yeah. up and running straight into each other. Um, so obviously it's never going to be perfect. And it'll be interesting to see if if there are any more issues that arise in the next few weeks, I think there'll be more discussion and some rules might be changed, but if it's just one week, I don't think much is going to happen. Yeah.
1: The bounce debate's not going anywhere though.
2: Like it's, it's really, it's been, I think regardless of this, I think regardless of this, you know, PCL stuff, the bounce can go like you don't need to get rid of the center line if you don't. You think the PCL Ruckman issue isn't an, an issue worth change rules, but it's just so anticlimactic at times. Have to bounce, and it just seems completely unnecessary. Yeah, there's a few old schoolers that would
1: probably argue the toss over it, but I don't, I don't think there are any on this in this virtual room, Hamish. Except for, except
0: for the first one on Grand Final day, I think it should be a bounce.
2: <laughs> um, so they um, haven't practiced <laughs> they haven't practiced all year that's okay
0: razor ray can just be in the gym the whole year just throwing down the medicine balls
2: Because um uh, so up... umpiring grand final day
0: oh i know it, it came story. up last year with the backs <laughs> like umpires were complaining about their back injuries yeah. it wasn't even like an inconsistency thing um so it appears like the tide might be turning against it but uh, footy nuffs love arguing over these, these we'll chuck up things. a poll
2: on our socials if 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 you guys want to vote on it um yeah it'd be interesting to see i think most people our generation will be in a with the the ball up i agree um, It'll be
0: interesting the um the socials have been popping off recently sorry ben quick plug here uh, so it. get on the insta at old sport pod and Hugh in particular has been red hot and putting out some interesting polls and questions for the audience and we've got some very entertaining answers that he shared as well so if you want to know more you're gonna to have to follow us
1: very good well let's hope this um sort of picks up the attention of a few on, on social media because there'll be some some interesting talking points to come out of this one we've got our little stratification of the, the table as it stands <laughs> and we've broken down the 18 team AFL competition into five subcategories, favorite contenders, wildcards, underdogs, see you next year and see you in a few years. I think I've miscounted there. That's six. Um, there's a bit to go through. What I've done here is highlighted the, uh, the big talking points, the discrepancies, throughout. So I'll say off the top, no surprise to anyone. We've all got Melbourne as the hot favorites for the flag. So we can whiz on by that. doesn't look like they're ever going to lose a game at this rate. Um, contenders, you boys have both gone for Geelong, Brisbane as well for Hugo. Hamish has gone for Sydney. I've only gone Sydney and Brisbane. Convince me one of you. Why? A Geelong contenders. They're old. They just lost a Hawthorn. I don't know.
0: I think they're a long way off Melbourne, um, but I think they're as good as Sydney or Brisbane, and I think they're better than the next pack, um, which may be proved wrong. I. It's not even a week by week thing. I just think overall they're probably um, in that that bracket. Um, I'm still like, I I'm I think the Swans can win the premiership this year if everything goes well for them. Um, but I think they're only one or two injuries away um, or a little bit of bad form or bad kicking away from being exposed a little bit. Uh, and I feel like that the only team that potentially could hop into there is Fremantle, um, who people might put on the same level as someone like a Geelong, but great big game on Saturday afternoon this week, which will really demonstrate where those two teams are at. I still think Geelong are yeah. as good as Brisbane or Sydney
1: though. Okay, well done. Um, I'll throw to you, Hugo, on the next one. We've got our wildcard categories. So teams that could make a push come September. We're much the same across the board. Um, yeah, You've got Sydney in here. Hamish and I both had Sydney up in the contenders echelon. Why, why are you not buying on Sydney?
2: Look, I think that... Similar to what Hamish was saying, where they're they're just, I think they're a few injuries away um, and they just haven't looked perfect through four quarters of many games. The Geelong one, they demolished Geelong, but there was a lot more than just footy being played that day, I think. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, they almost lost to North they didn't um but they almost they got absolutely trounced in the first quarter against Hawthorne they dominated the last that is that said but um I don't know I just thought that Brisbane and Geelong were just slightly ahead of Sydney and then had to include them in the, the wild card section for me a tricky one though is the Bulldogs in here I almost had couldn't see them as a as a wild card just because I mean they're they're two and four like and they've lost to some pretty, Average team. So I don't know. It, it's an interesting one, the Bulldogs. I think we've all got them in our wild cards because, you know, yeah, they have proven themselves as a good team, but just hanging on, I think. Yeah, they're
1: there on reputation alone. Yeah, exactly. Like they're there notwithstanding the way they're playing. And I would say we've all got St. Kilda in the wild cards and they're there notwithstanding their reputation. So they're, they're sort of <laughs> different stories. Yeah. I mean, the Saints are playing a pretty good brand of footy, but it's so hard, even as a Saints fan, to really be that optimistic about them because they've been so mediocre for so long. Um, but yeah, anyway, good to see we've all got them in the well, wild. Card. Ben,
0: you 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 the one different one as well, apart from yeah. Fremantle St. and Kieldan, Carlton and the dogs, who we've all got in the wild cards, you've added Richmond in as well. Um, why have you included Richmond in that that, yeah. that echelon of teams?
1: Yeah, I've been I've been big on Richmond since the start of the year, if you remember. And <laughs> None of it's really paid off as of yet, but I'm not giving up hope. I just think that they have too many premiership players um, to not be at least considered wild cards. I I still looking at their current list and the coach they have seen no reason why they should finish outside the eight Um, on current form. They're obviously not playing the standard of footy that would get them there, but I, I think they've still got the cattle it's a real momentum game even when they were at their absolute best save 2019 uh, uh, they weren't a, a dominant home and away season football team so I think they can they can do enough to get themselves in the top eight and if they do then I think they they meet the exact definition of a wild card in in the sense that you just wouldn't want to play a team with Dustin martin on the MCg in a yeah. final doesn't matter what Absolutely. sort it of, doesn't matter where they are so I think just I will go a very strict definition of the word wildcard. And I think that they are just that. Does that satisfy you, Hamish? Nicely done. Yeah, very good. Right, Well, I'm going to throw it back on you because we're we're over to underdogs. And we're all pretty well walking in lockstep with underdogs, except you've gone for Port Adelaide and Gold Coast, where Hugo and I have both got them in see you next year. What are you seeing from Port and the Gold Coast? Um, Port on the one win and Gold Coast, I think, on two, that's giving you any sort of hope?
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll break down what we all have here. So we all had... Um... Collingwood and Richmond, except for Ben had richmond in the previous one. And then both Ben and Hugo had Adelaide and Hawthorne in the underdog section. Um, and I basically, instead of Adelaide and Hawthorne, went for Port Adelaide and Gold Coast. Mm. I still think Port Adelaide are a better team than both Adelaide and Hawthorne. And I think over the season, that will be reflected. Um, they're both Aliyah Aliyah and Robbie Gray are playing this week, which I think gives them a genuine chance against the Saints. They're not dissimilar to Richmond in terms of, their list compared to last year is very much the same and um, they're not that bad compared to how they were last year. Even if they slightly overachieved and they weren't a top two team necessarily uh, deserving of that, I still think they're a team that should be between that 12th to 8th kind of bracket, which is where I say the underdogs. And then for Gold Coast, like I haven't watched many of their games, but that win against Carlton was impressive. And just personally, I think they have a better list than both Hawthorne and Adelaide, who I just I just don't buy, unfortunately. Um, yeah. It's like the, the last quarter against Sydney was just so emblematic of Hawthorne, I think. And the <laughs> one game yeah. I've watched them this year was that game against the Saints, um, and yeah. they just got mauled. So I can't see them being in that, that bracket. Um, and I would have had Collingwood down as well, but Collingwood have kind of shown me that they can win across four quarters like they did last week. Um, they don't have to just play kind of a free-flowing attacking brand as well. So that's why I went there. Um, I'm interested to get your your guys' takes on why you've got Port Adelaide in the, the see you next year bracket um, alongside Essen and GWS, who we, we all
2: had. Hugo, you want to take the right of reply on this? Sure. I just think that without Charlie Dixon, Um, Robbie Gray seems honestly like early call, but I think he might be a bit past it. Um, his best game all season came against Carlton and even then he could only put on, I think one good quarter. Um, so it is good to have him back, but I just think they, their current list without a big key forward that has proven as a goal kicker. I just think it's too big a, a hole to fill. Um, And coming back from 0-4 is pretty hard to... 0-5, sorry, is pretty hard to do. So I just think they'll lose enough games from here where it'll just be too hard to make finals. Like, you just lose a couple that you should win um, and then your season's already over starting 0-5. I mean, who knows? I I don't hope, but they they might make finals. Um, And then I'm interested that you... Adelaide lower down because they've proven they could beat some good teams as well, Hamish. Um why well, have you got them? Remember
0: that that performance against Collingwood. Um, I just I feel like they're they're they've played their best, like their team is unchanged this week. They don't have anyone left to bring in, and they're still so reliant on Taylor Walker up front. And Ben Keys is playing like just amazing footy in the midfield. Um forget Jared Lyons, he's the best, like steak knives delisted player <laughs> to be picked up in the last five years he's a, he's a gun but I, I think it just I don't know if their game style really holds up um over the whole season it's a pretty bruising style and I'm not sure they've got the the depth or really the talent um I think they got the dogs at the perfect time on the weekend
1: yeah yeah that was a weird match that one It's a lot though I, I remember someone calling it
2: <laughs> credit where credit someone, due. Who, someone who knows their footy I tell someone you who really knows their footy
1: the only <laughs> other one i want to talk about boys because this one i feel like has flown under the radar is it just me or the west coast have too many good players and a premiership coach for us to to be so blase about them being a, a legitimate bottom two team i mean we've I think- all got them there with north
2: um no well, it's, it's not even a bottom few bottom two team it's see you in a few years i think they have to commit to a full rebuild here honestly like they i saw this um post on social media and it was it's okay to be bad and young or good and old but you can't be bad and old and that's what west coast are um They just have like they've gotten a lot of their players back, maybe not a full strength side, and they were not competitive on the weekend at all. Like that was atrocious. And several games they've had this year, like it just does not work. There's too many old players who have passed it. And I think that's why they've got them in C in a few years, not C next year, because I don't think they can compete next year either. That's my definition there. I think North have some exciting young players, but they're still a few years away from it. I almost. Almost had Richmond here as well. Because really, <laughs> if if because not not it's not ladder position. It's just if if they, they can't do it this year and it, it, they they look past it, then they can't rebuild next year. That it's going to be a full rebuild. They've played so well for so many years. Since most teams, you know, Hawthorne have now had to commit to a rebuild. Geelong haven't, but Collingwood did for a bit there. And, you know, it happens, and maybe this is. Richmond's here. Anyway, I didn't. I still think they're an underdog, but um Can I um yeah
0: can I change track a little bit here and throw we've all got our hit or miss prepared for later. Throw just an impromptu hit or miss at you, which I could say for next week, but I think might be a little bit on topic at the moment.
2: Yeah, got
0: and and that is okay. Um so Jordan Dagoe is out of contract this year at Collingwood (sighs) and he will get bigger money offers from elsewhere. He obviously has a lot to repay Collingwood for the way they've stuck by him over time after time after time when he's mucked up off the field, to say the least. Um, yeah, and that may still have greater repercussions that we don't know about yet. Um, but if you're a Collingwood list manager, I think this season's going to put a, it's going to, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself about where you're at. Because um, if you look at their key position, you got Darcy Moore and then really not a whole lot else. Would you let Jordan DeGoey go knowing that you're going to get a first-round compensation pick for him? And if you finish, let's say Collingwood finish like uh, 14th or 13th, um, that's going to be pick five or pick six. You get it straight after your first-round pick. Um, is that going to be better for you in the long run than throwing a whole lot of money at Jordan DeGoey, which potentially means you can't actually... Resign on other players in a a couple of years time or do you keep one of your stars around the club what are you doing um i'll say i'll say you should trade him hit or miss
1: yes hit absolutely Uh, what what's he actually done like i don't know has i don't think he's finished top five in a bnf um i actually don't even know if he's finished top 10 in a bnf he He's a, he's a flashy player and he's shown a lot of promise, but he's not that young anymore. As you said, they'll definitely get overs for him. Um, and I don't think he he doesn't really seem like he wants to be there. There was a discussion that um, I think I heard Joey Montagna play, uh, having on one of his radio shows that clubs should be more open about letting go of players that just clearly don't want to be there. Um and I, and I think there's a lot to be said for that, especially a player like go where you know you're going to get so much value out of trading him. I think it's a, it's a no-brainer.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's the type of player that North might try and target because they might actually be able to get him. Um, I, it is interesting. You don't know as well what Collingwood players think of him like. He could just be someone that they don't want around the club either. I mean, I wouldn't want him around my club personally. If Carlton pick him up, I'll be furious. Sorry if Um, you're
1: listening, Jordan.
2: (laughs) No, not sorry. Don't be a dickhead. Um, (laughs) I mean, yeah, everyone deserves a second chance, but he hasn't shown that he's trying to get a a 15 chance. Exactly. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah, I mean, if you can get a good deal for him, absolutely. You
0: right. Um it depends where they finish. So if they end up finishing like tenth or ninth and it's the like, picks like could pick yeah, which they very much could, which is like pick nine or pick ten, then I'm like, mm, geez, is is he gonna be worth more to you than a pick nine or pick ten who I don't know how good the draft class is. I think if it's a top five pick, you definitely get rid of him. Um and they will know more about where he's at physically and mentally than, and emotionally than we do. But uh, I think it would be really interesting if he's around pick nine, pick 10, what they what they do with him there. Um, all right, we should move on. Hugo, take us over to the US for some NBA playoffs discussion. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, there's plenty of headlines and storylines to discuss coming off some of those results. Firstly, the Nets and Celtics. Do the Nets just suck, boys? Or like, are the Celtics a real challenger for the title? I think the Nets are pretty bad.
1: What, is, what a series. What, <laughs> yeah. what happened to Durant? Like,
2: good man, defense.
1: Yeah, really. The, the, the weirdest thing for me, not that it had any material impact on the this, this series, was the leak that Simmons would play game four. Yeah. And followed up by the announcement that he wouldn't. I didn't understand that at all. And he got absolutely
2: slammed in the yeah, US broadcast God. media. Stephen A. Smith yeah, <laughs> had a are. few choice words. Did he ever? Yeah. Um, Hamish, should you catch any of the series? Do you, do you think the Celtics can can challenge? I guess that's a no. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I mean, I think they can. They've got Jason Tatum. Yeah, uh, who's a right, who's right. a serious player. So um, that can carry them yeah, a long no, way. They're so... also they're also in the East, um, which means that they've always got a, a shot. Um, at least historically of of getting through, but they've got the this Bucks season. In the next this round, season, so. you're
2: you're wrong, Hamish. The East is the the much tougher one this year. But we'll see. There's a sounds like something a, a
0: Miami Heat <laughs> fan would say.
2: <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, I, I do think the Celtics could go all the way. Um, they're a really good side. It'll really be tough against the Bucks, but they definitely got the defense not to stop Giannis, but to to keep him down. And then without Milton. It'll be interesting to see how the Bucks play against a team as as good as the Celtics. Um, they pretty comfortably got past the Bulls. Um, meanwhile, elsewhere in the East, the Heat and Jimmy Butler completely destroyed Trey Trey Young. Basically, mm, um, the Hawks managed to get one win, um, but then in Game uh, Four. Uh, with, they were without Kyle Lowry and Victor Oladipo and sent himself into the, the starting lineup, not the starting lineup, just the lineup, um, and looked really sound. And then in game six, game five, sorry, um, they brought Oladipo into the starting lineup and were without Jimmy Butler. So without arguably their two best players or two of the three best players and and easily beat beat the Hawks and their defense is just easily one of the best in the league and comparative to to the Celtics and Jimmy Butler quietly going along in his work and, and could be one of the best players of the playoffs, such a star. Yeah, yeah well he's wrap. got the 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 highest points um, contributed to on offense and the least points contributed to two four on defense. so that's always handy to have. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen too much of the the other series going on, but a few few storylines that uh, James Harden seems pretty done, um, struggling in that series, and then Embiid also going down injured. It'll be interesting to see if they can get a win there. Yeah, what's his injury? Uh, it's a f- thumb, I thumb, think, yeah. or a finger, and um, he can play through it, but he definitely seems. Affected on defense, especially, um, and he'll need surgery after the season. So it's definitely not an insignificant thing. Um, but at the moment, he's he's playing through it. Yeah. Um, and then in another exciting series, we've had the Grizzlies and Timberwolves. I'm not sure if you guys have followed this at all, but I've been watching along. There's been a few 20 point leads or 20 point um, runs that have been completely converted including two in a row, basically, from the Timberwolves, and then the Grizzlies came back from both of those to win the game. And then in the last game, um, Kyle anthony Towns was waving goodbye to the Timberwolves when they were up 15 and then proceeded to lose the game. So an exciting series, Jamal around insane dunk. I'm not yeah. sure if you've seen it. We can put it on our socials as well. Yeah, that but... was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Just jumping over people for fun. Um, And then another exciting series is the Suns versus Pelicans, which everyone seemed to be not too keen for. Um, Suns were looking pretty convincing to go to sweep the the Pelicans, which were the the eighth seed um, coming in from the play-in. And then the Suns have lost Devin Booker, but even before they lost Devin Booker, weren't looking too comfortable against the Pelicans. They do now have a 3-2 lead, but... Pelicans could easily go home and make it three all. Um, It'll be really interesting to see where that goes. And maybe the Suns aren't as good as everyone thought. We'd love a game seven. Oh, that would be we always love a game seven. two
1: best words in sport. <laughs> so they say, isn't that yeah. right, Hamish? Absolutely. And we
0: also, um, we, Hugo just missed the biggest story of the week, which was uh, the second headline on the news tonight in the sports section was a piece of footage from clay thompson's uh entry tweet (laughs) they they do a little tweet when they arrive at the ground in their their hip clothes and alistair clarkson is standing in the background putting what looks like metal kind of dog drinking tins through a a, like a detector like it's just a really weird scene Mm -hmm. one of those like fever dream kind scenes like what is going on here um, just standing in the back of clay thompson's entry tweet so um yeah. it's good to see that clarko's enjoying himself and, and on the right the right train when it comes to the warriors anyway <laughs> yeah
2: absolutely um, all
0: right we'll uh yeah, move <laughs> we'll bring <on>. home <laughs> our, our our main stories here i know we've been going for a while so thanks for sticking with us um just a couple of quick ones to run through from the cricketing world firstly ben stokes is well Not officially, but unofficially been announced as captain of the English men's test team, uh, which doesn't really come as a surprise to anyone. We discussed this pretty in depth last week, but according to the Telegraph and the other outlets that have reported this, his first move is going to be to bring Stuart Broad and James Anderson back into the fold, which kind of makes sense when you're a new captain of a struggling team, you just get your best players in there and you try and win as many games as possible, which I think is what they need to do over this summer. Um, I don't think I don't, I'm not really a subscriber for the whole like rebuild thing when it comes to like international test cricket. Like what, what are you, you blooding players for what, you know, future tests. (laughs) There's no draft. (laughs) There's no saying there's no (laughs) draft. Exactly. Um, the other interesting thing to come out is Rob Key, their new director of cricket, has split the red and white ball coaching roles. They haven't announced who it will be, although Gary Kirsten is highly likely to be the, the test team coach. Um, it's interesting to see they're the first nation to do it for a long time to make the split. And there's actually been a, quite a bit of pushback against it. And I'll, I'll get your guys' take on it. The, the crux of the argument against it, which I probably hadn't been exposed to, was that, the idea you're going to have the a similar group of players um, who are going to prefer one setup over the other, and there's going to be natural tensions between those two, which is going to cause friction between um, the sides and the coaching staff across different teams. So, you guys still where where are you landing on that side of the debate?
1: I think it's a really good point. Um, I, I read this as well. I I think it's sort of inevitable. You can't keep it's it's not in anyone's interest to keep the two forms of cricket poles apart because while there are sort of nuanced differences in tactics and and skill sets as you said it's still by and large the same group of players um so yeah i, I do think it would it would lead to some some unwanted tensions hugo
2: oh, that's a change in your your opinion from yeah what no discussed I, before I hadn't, is thought a point of I hadn't considered yeah um i mean I think it's worth trying. And if, if any team's going to try it, it's England right now. Um, especially because they're still very good at limited overs and it's just their test side. That's really struggled. So maybe completely separating the two and trying to build a good test culture is a way back. I mean, if you mess up the test culture now, then God, they're really screwed, but, um, Yeah, I I still am a fan of splitting the coaches, but good to see England trying it out so we don't have to first.
0: (laughs) The the most interesting part of it is this one point that both sides have jumped on and used to say that it supports them, which is the idea that there's already been tension in English cricket because Joe Root captains a test team and Owen Morgan, the white ball set up with very different leadership styles and Owen Morgan kind of demands and gets what he wants from the ECB whilst Root is less confrontational and perhaps has been diddled a little bit in the last couple of years with availability of players and these kinds of things. Um, some people say that that's a sign that you don't want to disconnect the two teams. Others say that it shows that it already exists and having different coaches won't actually exacerbate that. So anyway, Probably not a whole lot to add on that. It's just an interesting point. Yeah, you're right. Um, And then the other interesting thing to come out is the Sri Lanka squad, the test squad for Australia, is announced tomorrow. And she, I believe, has a few rumours for us that are floating around.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was Dan Bredig, who I think is the age um, cricket writer. Um, He published an article recently, yesterday, saying that is a big chance to make the squad. I'm not sure if that's um, from rumours or if it's hidden thinking, um, basically saying that Andrew McDonald loved Maxie and that his Shields team and Maxi's best Shields season was under Andrew McDonald. Um, so maybe that could lead to Maxi being included in the squad. There's going to be two big squads, including a touring Australia A side, which hasn't happened since COVID. And they included a couple um, young spinners in that lineup, which are exciting. I think it was Sanger, um, Kuhneman and... Um, uh, who's the Victorian young spinner? He's only played Murphy, Matt Todd, Murphy. Todd Murphy. Todd Murphy. He's only played a couple games, um, so that's exciting. Ben, did you have something to, to add on on the squad? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I, I thought I could be mistaken. I actually thought they were picking one huge consolidated squad. Yeah. Or something I, like that, like for the white ball and the red ball. So he's going to be part of this the squad okay. and they're going to play this plethora of white ball cricket and then players will go home and the discussion is whether he will go home or he'll hang around after the, the white ball series. Okay. Uh, but interesting – I, I love the, the massive rumour mills around <laughs> Tess.
2: They're never ending. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's it's a so lot of those media guys are big fans of Maxi as well, which is yeah, great because himself. if they're not, then who is? Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> so our last story we got to mention this week is the Perth Wildcats. Yeah, you heard me correctly, the Perth Wildcats. They are, <laughs> they've they missed the NBL finals for the first time since 1986, which must surely be just about the longest streak in sport. Um. The Tassie Jack Jumpers have made the playoffs in their first season, uh, alongside the Kings, Hawks, and Melbourne United. So a little bit of a Melbourne change. they Melbourne just,
2: have just won the first game of the Tassie series as well, um, so they should get the win there. But really exciting to see the Tassie team in the in the finals, and I don't know if you need some, <laughs> maybe it can be be turned into an argument for an AFL side. I don't know. Somehow. <laughs> Jump, jumpers. Can't
1: get any stronger. Doesn't it? <laughs> no. Now we will move along to our, our moment of the week and, and I'll start with a, a pretty simple one that's, that's close to my heart, and that's Higo, Jackie Boy Higgins. The young Saints recruit, the, the superstar small forward, kicked another crucial four goals on the weekend in the Saints' win over GWS on Friday night. A man on the ground, Hamish Stewart, saw it all live. It, it came on the back of a five-goal haul, the week before he's now a couple of goals behind in the Coleman medal, probably the small forward forward in the rolling all Australian team. And all this coming off the back of a round one performance, which had performance, which had a lot of pundits calling for him to be dropped out of the the playing spot. So yeah. an excellent, an excellent bounce back um, and a, a show of great steel and resolve from a youngster. And uh, obviously someone, someone I grew up with, so wrapped rap to see it boys what have you made of of Higo's performances
2: yeah it's been really exciting good to have always exciting to have good small forwards in the comp they just add so much to the game especially ones with good personality uh, personality like we saw on Anzac day like jack ginevan another great story mm. um and then also, I'm not sure if you saw it, but Hugo uh, actually interviewed very nicely at Fox Footy afterwards, which was good to see, including an interview from Nick Rewalt, who was the his one hands. who was saying he should have been dropped. But um, no, it was apparently all good um, from Hugo. So no, very exciting. Uh, no doubt.
0: Yeah, he's a, um, a unique player, it's fair to say. I think he, he reads <laughs> the ball better than just about anyone in the game and his ability to get out the back. So he's just such an intelligent footballer, um, which is a a fantastic thing to have in a small forward. And I think makes him super, super effective. My moment of the week is from the cricketing world. And unfortunately for (laughs) our our loyal Indian fans who we know are out there and are listening, um, it's not, not one you're going to like hearing. And that was Virat Kohli going duck, 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 and then possibly the worst innings of his career, nine off 10 in the IPL. Now, let me break down this nine off 10 for you. Um, <laughs> he literally looked like he could not see the ball. So he his first one, the only one that came off the middle, the flick off the pads that lit bounced so closely to going into uh, Daryl Mitchell's hands at this specialist fielder position they've got now got for Kohli, which is like front of it, forward square leg because he flicks in the air. Um, he then... Uh, mistimed a pull shot, which went like off the inside edge down for four. And then he tried to play a cover drive, which went again off the inside edge past the keeper for four. Um, so he was then on eight of his runs. He kept missing it. He got a single back on strike for the next over, missed a couple, got bowled a bouncer. And then he, <laughs> it was, it was such an embarrassing dismissal for him, played a pull shot, but it, he ended up getting caught off a balloon up to Gully. Um it was just a really, really <laughs> grim, grim innings. And he walked off. And he after the two ducks he'd got previously going into these innings, he walked off with that wry smile on his face, like it's just not going for me. Um and then he had all this luck in in the start of these innings and he walked off and he couldn't even manage that wry smile. He just yeah. Ravi Shastri said after the game that like he just needs a rest, like he needs to take a few months off. It's not yeah. it's not a thing about being out of form or whatever, it's just like he is just completely shot. Um, and there's been a lot going on in his life and with Indian cricket. And anyway, be interesting to see if he does decide to take some time off because he he really doesn't look like even a ten percent of the player he is.
1: It's so yeah. Weird. It's like you know the movie Like Mike, where the kid finds Michael Jordan's shoes and starts playing <laughs> like Michael Jordan, it, and then yes, he loses yeah. the shoes and he's just like a kid who can't play yeah. basketball.
2: I feel like your colleague's lost his shoes. God, niche reference. That's good. It's almost as socials. good as the
1: Velcro, the Velcro analogy from an earlier episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I love it. One of the best we've had. Hugo. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is arguably the best moment of the week. Um, and that is former AFL player Damien Cupido. He put an absolute goal-kicking clinic in country Victorian footy on Saturday. The ex-Brisbane and Essendon forward kicked a whopping 16 goals in Gigari's 155-point win over Longwood in the Kyabran District Football League. Make sure you check out the photo of, of him giving the post-match speech on our socials. He's an absolute unit right now. He's got a jumper that I reckon is about a four XL. It's too big for him, and then his shorts barely go past his halfway down his thighs. It's, I mean, sixteen goals in a game is pretty handy, isn't it? <laughs> really.
0: You love to see it. Um, well, I'm <laughs> Damien. He was a he was a fan favourite at his time at the Bombers. So uh, great to see him doing well. Um, Fan moment of the week this week comes in from Michael. Thanks for sending us an email at oddsportpod at gmail.com. Michael, um, sorry to everyone else who didn't get featured this week, but his is that Novak Djokovic has been allowed to play at Wimbledon. However, Daniel Medvedev and other Russian and Belarusian tennis players are not going to be allowed to play at the All England Club, which uh, is a pretty landmark decision. Doesn't go exactly in line with what happened at the Australian Open at all. And, kind of continues this thread of um, politics through sport as well. The reason they gave was that they don't want players success, such as Medvedev to be used as propaganda by the Russian state, um, which is uh, fair enough reasoning, but a big decision to make on uh, the best player in the world. So anyway, Ben, how did you, you feel about this one?
1: Yeah, we had the discussion a few weeks back and I, I, I mean, I picked up on what you said then, and I still very much believe it, that you're not dealing with an ordinary set of circumstances here. These players have families that are still in Russia. um, And when you're operating or the circumstances you're dealing with, with an authoritarian regime um, that is completely merciless to expect these players to come out and full-throatedly denounce the regime and what they're doing and, imperil the lives of their families is a a ridiculous ask um at the end of the day they're athletes they're representing themselves they're not representing their country there are mechanisms you can put in place to make sure it, it strictly stays as such um but i think that the all england club has probably missed the mark on this one i don't really i don't know i'm over the Djokovic thing so i don't venture any commentary on that i just think ugh, I'm almost at a point where you can let him play play tennis. But I, I think that the, what they've done with Medvedev and, and other Russian and Belarusian players is is the wrong call.
2: Yeah, Fair I enough. don't have too much to add to that one as well. Covered all bases well. There, Ben. Um, I'll go through the, on this day, on this week, a bit early this week. We've got from April 26th, 1931. Lou Gehrig hits a home run, but is called out for passing a runner. So basically, he's hit the home run. A runner's already on bases, and he's just run past him rather than letting the runner continue in front of him. This mistake cost him the American League home run crowd. Um, Him and Babe Ruth went on to tie the season. I think it just, like, baseball has such so many weird and niche rules it just seems bizarre. Like like how can this, it still is a rule as well. Like how can something as stupid as that cost you a, a home run, you're out. Like imagine if that came up and surely fans would be, in a uproar if that happened nowadays. Like it just seems so strange to enforce such bizarre rules like that. Passing a runner. Is- yeah. Like it, it, there's no reason for it to be a rule other than the fact that it's already a rule. Like it's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> anyway.
0: I won't venture any commentary on the rule, but I am interested to know if Lou Gehrig is related at all to the G train, Fraser Gehrig. Um,
2: <laughs> who
1: who looks like
0: he would have so, been very good I'm at, at baseball. Oh
2: uh, thank you to our I'm surprised uh, he was able to pass anyone on that one if he was related
1: <laughs> to the G train. Thank you to our our sponsors at Ancestry.com. Um will <laughs> Make sure. To, <laughs> make sure to, to look into the Gehrig family lineage and, and you'll you'll find all the answers you need.
0: Just need a single hair and away <laughs> you go. Um all right. It is quite late on a Thursday. If you hadn't gathered that as you listen to this uh, extended edition of <laughs> Old Spot Podcast, uh, so late that I've kind of lost track of the time. So boys, the one of you have the time for me.
1: Um I do. Actually, mate, and I can I can proudly announce that it is Tasmania and Lithuania's favorite (laughs) time of the week. And that is, of course, it's time for hit or miss.
2: Okay, Why you get I'll things start started? Us off. I've got a yeah, I got a pretty easy one here. North Melbourne deserves a priority draft pick. Hit or miss, miss. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs>
0: um, this is this is not rational at all. It's purely emotional. After I had my own team stripped of <laughs> draft picks for two years, and they're not given any kind of priority. Um, and just completely thrown down the bin. Um, yeah. It makes it pretty hard for me to think that a club that simply um, <laughs> screwed up itself better. by, by turning out like 15 of its good players, like Nick Del Santo and Boomer Harvey and Michael Friedo and Drew Petrie before their careers ended deserve to get a priority pick based on that mistake. I also don't think North are that bad, that um, they, they deserve one. They've got, Excellent young players such as Nick Larky coming up through the ranks. So um, <laughs> watch this space. But no, I don't think they deserve a dry, priority draft pick. Unless, hang on, unless it's like end of second round or whatever. I just don't think it can be a first round.
1: Okay. Everything you said was right there, but you realized that Essendon cheated. Like there wasn't, <laughs> wasn't just an arbitrary penalty that was slapped upon <laughs> you because you're victims. Like, this is a was...
0: completely different discussion. There's no, no I evidence to got... suggest <laughs> that they yeah, actually get... use anything illegal.
1: Ah well whatever. <laughs> so <Sorry>. um, <laughs> um I'll I won't go down that. Yeah, whatever. That'll
2: hold up in court. It's late.
1: <laughs> I'll um oh, I'll, I'll answer your question, Hugo. Do they deserve a priority pick? Uh yeah, no, it's probably a miss. I think it would um I probably agree with you, Hey Mish. I don't think they're that bad and I think where they are is is yeah, their their own mismanagement. Um, so it would set a it would set a poor precedent, I think, if you were to give North Melbourne a priority pick this year.
2: Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, sadly, I thought we were going to get some good debate there. Oh, um, we I got close. Do... We'll do a, We'll do a special
0: episode on whether Essendon cheated or not, or whether they just made yeah. a <laughs> scapegoat. by a disgrace Cam, the disgrace of a sporting The special body.
2: <laughs> guest
1: can be Wada. And. And they can go on my side <laughs> and you can have what? <laughs> the, I'll the have Melbourne. the
0: scientists who <laughs> yeah. held up the evidence and said there is nothing to suggest any banned substances been used. Anyway, um, we'll move um, on. I just um, wanted
2: to add that I don't think the priority picks should exist in the AFL. I think it's stupid and it doesn't exist anywhere else. I think it's, it's against the whole process of a draft. Mm, anyway, okay. we can debate that on another episode as well.
0: Okay, uh, mine is that Thursday night footy should be played every round regardless of whether it affects the integrity of the competition, hit or miss.
2: So Uh... I was just going to say, how how would it affect the integrity of the competition?
0: Well, I think one of the main reasons it's not is because teams only want to play off one five-day break each year. And to have the Thursday night games, especially as you come into the buy rounds, um, and before the buy rounds, sorry, um, it is difficult to not have teams playing more five day breaks than others. So you'd have like your best teams or your most marketable teams like your melbourne's at the moment which is funny to say um would have been your <laughs> richmond's richmond's and collingwood's years back who might have to play off two or three five-day breaks rather than gold coast who might not have to play off a five-day break the whole year um there's a there's a question whether that uh, affects the integrity of the competition yeah. or not
2: no i think it's um a hit as in front, there's an outfit you should be there Every, the last two Those days I've been like, oh, isn't it footy time? It's it's basically the weekend. We need some footy. Um, Although I'm not sure if Melbourne deserved them based on their crowds. Um, They play some good (laughs) footy, but their crowd numbers have not been there, Um, which is a bit disappointing considering, you know, if you're ever a Melbourne supporter and you're ever going to go to a game of footy, you'd think it'd be this week. Anyway, Ben, thoughts? Uh, Yeah, it's a hit. I love it.
1: I reckon the more footy, the better. And as you said, when it's a real thing in Australia, you get to Thursday and your week's basically done. It's the weekend. Friday's, <laughs> Friday's more or less mailed in. So you might as well make it official with pie night footy. Um, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a simple one. Um, I wonder if this will be so simple because my hit or miss is that Glenn Maxwell should bat number six in the test side for the Sri Lanka tour. Hamish?
0: Uh, it's a it's a hit to the, the moon and back for me. Um <laughs> I um, I just love the idea of it more than anything. I still think Cameron Green gets in your side. Um I just think get rid of Travis Head and can Bowl uh, as well as Head, if not better. Um, and or or you or you get rid of Schweppo or whoever's gonna play as a second spinner and you trust yeah. Maxwell to to perform that role instead and you bat one extra. Um, with knowing that Green and are at six and seven, you've got that depth, um, either or. But, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him in at number six.
2: Yeah, I think considering, like, Swebson bowled pretty well and maybe was a bit unlucky, but did he contribute that much with the ball that Maxie couldn't do? You never know. Um, I think, I'd, I mean, I'd love him to be in there. Some,
0: he also hasn't played Red
2: Bull cricket but like I, years. Yeah, true. Yeah. um but no i'd love to see him in there i think he deserves so many more tests and at least he needs one at the mcg so
1: yeah very good i am in agreement with with both of you want to see maxi in? if nothing else then it gives us something to rattle on about on a tuesday or thursday (laughs) night and that is good for everyone that's good for footy um, let's get to a few upcoming events because there is a fair bit to, to sink our teeth into and cast our uh, eye forward to. So we'll start with you, Hugo.
2: Yeah, so we've just got the continuation of the, the NBA playoffs. The first round's coming to a close over the next couple of days. Move on to the conference semis. The major series to look out for there is, again, a, um, a series involving the Celtics. This time they'd face the Bucs. I think this could end up deciding... Probably the NBA champions, I think. I think the Heat could push both of these sides. Um, maybe I'm a bit biased there, but um, it'll be great to see Jason Tatum and Giannis go head-to-head as well as, you know, all the other Celtics players and Bucks players as well. I think it would go to seven and should be some great viewing. Um, in the cricket, we've got the IPL, with still just under a month of regular season matches remaining. Already feels like it's been going for several months, so still a long way there. <laughs> Hamish, what about the soccer?
0: Well, the big clash is tomorrow morning, so that'll be played by the time this airs. But West Ham play Frankfurt in the Europa League semi-final, which the Europa League a few years ago wasn't such a big deal, but it really has kind of gained some traction as a, a premier competition that you want to win as much as any of the, the English trophies, uh, apart from maybe the league. Um, and if West Ham managed to get through to the final, it would just be the most amazing story. And you'd give them a real chance against either... Um, uh, it's Atalanta and Rangers, I think, or Leipzig and the Rangers. I can't remember who's in the other semi-final, And then whoever wins that obviously goes on to the Champions League next year. There's also a whole lot of big clashes in the the EPL this week. We've actually got Chelsea versus Man United tomorrow morning as well uh, in a catch-up game that was rescheduled from earlier in the year. But the big game to watch out for is Watford versus Burnley, which I know people have really been <laughs> salivating over. Um, absolutely crucial match in the battle for the avoiding relegation. Uh, I think the the winner of that match will keep their hopes alive and the loser can just about uh, call quits. Um, and then we have West Ham versus Arsenal as well, another important game for that that top four race. Ben McCanton down the clock.
1: Yeah, not a whole lot from the worlds of, of golf or tennis, but as I, as I alluded to last week, there are a couple of big major championships around the corner. We've got the USPJ Championship, coming up in three weeks time and on that very same weekend is the French open tennis so I'm looking forward to both of them whispers coming out of the Tiger Woods camp that he's gone on a scouting tour of the the USPGA <laughs> um, the, the side of the USPGA so he's going to spend the weekend there getting some practice in and, and hopefully make an announcement as to whether he's playing or not I would add um, that because I haven't really Got much to preview i'll get everyone excited about the week of footy ahead because it's a really good one there are two games which i think are really gonna shape the, the top four so they are must watch for that reason and that's the dockers and the cats on saturday um and then it's the last game of the round sydney lions but then i think there are two absolute must wins um for clubs down the the bottom end and that is hamish as you'd know s and v bulldogs in the i thought graveyard that, was your, um, shift.
0: that was your top um, four game ben
1: so, yeah, well, it's, it's maybe, maybe bottom four game, I'd say, for the loser. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a supporter of the club that loses that much. Um, And the other one that I think fits squarely in that bin is tomorrow night's game, uh, Eagles, Tigers, especially for the Tigers. If they drop that one, then my yeah. all my predictions are just absolutely not spoken. <laughs> Forget about the Tiggies.
2: Yeah, all right, well, my bold prediction comes off that round of AFL, and it's not a very hopeful one as a Carlton supporter. I think that North Melbourne might defeat Carlton, and Todd Goldstein will have just about a million hitouts. Um, Breaks De the Koenig's record by already... about <laughs> million. Um Yeah, I think De Koenig's already proved he struggles against the experienced big body the Ruckmans. The game hit the big game he played without Pittnet was Gold Coast and um, Jared Woods just about won, won them that game off his back um, I don't think it's as simple as the Ruck contest and North will have to play really well but I think it could be a big chance we also might um, or Carlton might also be without George Stewart as well so that will be interesting to see
0: well Hugo did pick Adelaide to beat the Dogs last week with after a lot of thought <laughs> and consideration okay, yeah. so yeah um, <laughs> I hate, I hate what this means for Carlton. Um, my bold prediction is that Stuart Broad will be named vice-captain of the test team uh, for the English men's test team and as a little bit of an olive branch to him after he felt uh, a little diddled after getting slammed from from the group. And uh, it would be interesting to see if Ben Soak's knee or finger plays up and he has to miss a test, uh, how Broad would go yeah. stepping into the shoes.
2: There's The interesting rumour on that front is that they're saying that Zach Crawley might already be confirmed as the VC behind closed doors, which is crazy to think about. Um, well, if you go. If you'd start... mentioned that
0: to me just before we started the show, that would have been excellent. <laughs> but that's okay.
2: I think it's I think it's less less founded rumours than than the Stokes one. I think it's just rumours rather than anything published or anything. So it'll be <laughs> it's interesting okay. to see. I'm not but... too
0: heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh awesome all right well then to wrap things up i've got a really unbiased one and that is that i think st kilda is going to hand melbourne their first loss of the season next week when we come up against them at the mcg so you've
0: Uh, gone the bold prediction for next week's episode that is very bold (laughs) indeed.
1: correct well, when I, I gave my bold prediction, as I'm sure you'll remember about Ash Barty and Rafael Nadal winning the <laughs> Open, I gave that two weeks in advance. So I like to th- make the ones that count. I-, I like to stay- We might have
2: to do a poll of the best bold predictions at the end of the season. Yeah, we might have to.
1: Oh, very good, gentlemen. That was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> thank you to both Hamish and Hugo for joining me. Thank you to the listeners to to the listeners for joining us i hope you've enjoyed as we've worked our way through another very big week in sport and and we've cast our mind's eye towards another one um giving you all the the tips and hints and bold predictions that you could possibly put into a sandwich from hamish hugo and myself (laughs) it is goodbye for now